0: It is a pleasure to be with you this morning. Uh, as always, it's, it's great to gather together as a church to make much of our Lord Jesus Christ, right? I definitely wanna encourage you. Um, we are having this seminar, parenting seminar. Please sign up. Um, we just have a few names that's right now. We need to know uh, how many people to prepare for. So we are having meals as well. So if, um, if you're single and you're hoping to be married one day and have kids, Come, come to it. If you're grandparents and you're like, man, I'm retired from raising children, you have your grandparents. So, your grandkid children, I'm sorry, but come. Uh, all are invited to come and be a part of this. We have Dr. Don Roy who will be with us. Uh, really looking forward to this. Uh, learning how to. Uh, raise my children, learn how to parent my children. So uh, I'm approaching this with a great humility because I really am excited to learn. So please come. um, Sign up sheet is in the back. So go ahead and sign your name to that. Also, I want to encourage you guys to show up on Wednesday nights. Uh, Last couple of Wednesdays, we've been having uh, a lot of people coming. We want to see that continue because we believe Prayer is very important in the local church. So please come. Uh, You will find great fellowship happening as you pour your hearts to uh, one another. Um, So I wanna encourage you to come Wednesday nights as we spend time praying for one another. With that said, go ahead and open your Bibles to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses four through 11. Hebrews 12, verses four through 11. When you've arrived to the text, say, word, word. Can you please stand? We stand out of reverence to God's holy and righteous word. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastises every son who he receives. For it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they discipline us for a short time, as it seems best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Let's pray together, Father. We thank you so much for this portion of Scripture. God, we are hearing from the world that anything bad, we must blame someone else. Anything difficult that comes to us, we we must blame the devil. But God, this passage of Scripture teaches us That you are a loving, kind God, and you discipline your children. You allow us to go through difficult situations to redirect our paths, to correct us, to educate us, to prevent us from getting into sin. You are a good God, a God who is involved with your people, with your children, You're not a God who is just sitting on his throne and a God who is not intimately involved with his people. No, no, you are leading us. And we are so thankful for this. Teach us what we do not know, make us what we are not and give us what we do not have. And God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. The title for today's sermon is The Father's Discipline. The father's discipline, the ultimate father, God himself. If you read in the New Testament, as Jesus would refer to his father, he called the Godhead himself, God, Yahweh, father, multiple times to show the great intimacy that God has with us. But one of the things that we must observe about God is that God disciplines his people. Discipline is not God's way of saying he is through with us or he has abandoned us. No, God's discipline is saying that God is calling us into a deep, intimate relationship with him. C.S. Lewis says this or said this really well. He says, God whispers to us in our pleasures. He speaks to us in our work. He shouts to us in our pain. Every one of us can attest to this, that perhaps in a particular situation or time that you find yourself not listening to God, and that you would, you would stay on this path of rebellion But God in his sovereignty disciplined you in such a way that your eyes became open and you started saying, thank you, God, because I didn't realize where I was, right? It is God's discipline that brings his people closer to him. You see, the key word here in this passage of scripture is the word discipline. It is mentioned nine times In these eight verses, the word discipline is derived from the Greek word pace, which is the word child. So the word discipline gives us the idea of a parent who parents his child or teacher who teaches a child. So they teach the child or they parent the child, they train the child, right? They educate the child, they correct the child, And this is the idea here of the word discipline. The whole point of it is to develop a child to a point of maturity, to help shape the character of a child. In the same way, coming closer, don't miss this, this is exactly what God does when he disciplines us. He trains us, he corrects us, he educates us to the point of us coming to the point of maturity. Right? He shapes us. Now, it's very important for us to observe what the word discipline is in Scripture, Like Throughout Scripture, the word discipline is mentioned. So we need a biblical concept and a biblical definition of God's discipline. This is God's character. He's a good God, so He disciplines His children. But in what way? Scripture gives us three ways by which God disciplines His children. First way is corrective discipline. What is corrective discipline? Well, whenever a child of God, those, and a child of God, I'm saying those who have uh, repented of their sins and placed a faith in Jesus, if that's you this morning, you're a child of God. As a matter of fact, in the scripture here, he mentions sons of God multiple times. And the text actually tells us there is a difference between a child of God and a child of the world. The Bible here tells us that we're not all God's children. Although that's what the world tells us. And even some Christians are naive in saying, we're all God's children. Yeah, we are all God's creation, but we're not all God's children. And you'll get it from this passage of scripture. But notice very carefully, corrective discipline as one, is when we ourselves find ourselves in sin. And because we are in sin, God comes and God disciplines us by bringing hardship, trials to us to grab our attention. A perfect example of this is King David, and every time God corrects, he corrects in love. This is the purpose, this is is how God corrects his people, in love, because he loves us deeply. King David is a perfect example of this. When King David sinned against God, against the nation, against Uriah, we know exactly what happened in first Samuel that David was called to go and fight but yet he was lazy he looked and he saw this woman and he lusted lust led to adultery adultery led to murder and then we find in scripture that Samuel came to David and told David what he did David repented But this is what Samuel said to David, according to what God said to Samuel. The sword will never depart from your house, David. In other words, there are consequences for your sins. God has forgiven you. There is grace. You are restored, but there is corrective discipline. And what's the corrective discipline? The sword never departed from David's house. What does that mean? Chaos in his house. We find one of his son, Abnum raped his sister, Tamar. Then Absalom got really upset and killed Abnum. And then we notice that Absalom then came and tried to take over David's kingdom, pursuing David in the wilderness. All of that was to show David of his sins. And to show David that God was intimately involved in his life so for you this morning if you are in sin notice this that God will bring difficulties to lead you on the right path this is biblical in the New Testament uh, before we get in the New Testament notice what David mentioned in Psalm 119 verse 71 it is good for me that I was afflicted why David he learned a secret it is good for me that I was afflicted that I might learn your statues this is the beauty of God's discipline so that we can learn him about him and grow in Christ in the New Testament we have another example of this in 1 Corinthians we notice corrective discipline it had mentioned that many of them partook of the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner. And the Lord, and, and Paul tells us that God brought great discipline upon them. By what? By causing some of them to be ill. By even death, that God took some of them home. What is the reason? The reason was to show them who God was. That God was a God who disciplines his children. Notice what Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians after he shared about this one incident. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 32, he says, "'But when we are judged by the Lord, "'we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned "'along with the world.'" So There's a difference between God's discipline and God's wrath. God disciplines his children, but God will never pour out his wrath upon his children. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul was telling us here. So God's discipline is meant to teach us about him and it's done in the love of God because he loves us greatly. Well, there's corrective discipline in scripture. There's also preventative discipline in scripture. We know this as parents. I have a 10 month old daughter, Gabby, at home and there's a lot of preventative happening gabby now is crawling and she's constantly getting into all kinds of stuff so so what we do is we are constantly childproof in the house <laughs> baby proof in the house and and following gabby and making sure she's not putting certain things in her mouth so she can choke and die we don't want this well what if you just have this parent who says i don't care eat what you want choke in whatever you want I don't care. We would say that this parent is a bad parent, right? So as parents, we learn about preventatives. In the same way for God, our great savior, what he does is that he disciplines us in a sense of preventative discipline. And what do you mean by this? God does certain things in our lives to prevent us from sinning. He brings difficulties in our lives so that we would not sin. A perfect example of this is the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul mentions this in 2 Corinthians. He says that God brought to him a thorn in the flesh. He said three times I asked for the Lord to take this thorn in the flesh from me. And we know it wasn't sin. It wasn't sin that Paul was talking about here. But whatever it was that God brought to him humbled his heart tremendously. And then the Apostle Paul then says, I will boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He embraced God's preventative discipline in his life. He did. And third, educational discipline. There are times in Scripture that God is not disciplining you because you have sinned. God is not disciplining you because he's trying to prevent you from sinning, but simply because he's educating you. Simply because he wants you to understand what true intimacy is in him. But where are you getting this from, Kevin? A perfect example of this is Job. Why did Satan tempt Job? Was it because Job had sin in his life, habitual sin in his life? No. No, the Bible says he walked blamelessly before God. But why? Why was there this sense of discipline? God allowed that to happen. But Job himself mentioned this to us. In the NASB, Job mentions this towards the end of the book. In Job chapter 42, verses 4 through 6, he says, Here now, and I will speak, I will ask you, and you instruct me. Here's the educational discipline here teach me your ways O Lord I have heard of you and by hearing of you a hearing of the air but now my eye sees you therefore I retract and I repent and dust and ashes Here's a perfect example of educational discipline Job gives us a great example here but towards the end of the book, we, we notice that the difficulties and trials that Job went through, God used to mold and shape him to look more and more like him. So God will bring difficulties in our lives for a primary reason, and that is the reason of discipleship. And I know this is hard for you to understand, because the world have taught you that, it, that God will never do something like this. That God will never discipline you. The world has taught you of a perverted view of the love of God. And the world tells you, if God loves you, he will give you everything that you want. But friends, coming closer, you are smart enough to know this. You are seeing your neighbor. You have seen people in the grocery stores. You have even seen people in your own family that spoil their children and give them everything they want. And what happens? You say to yourself, ha, huh, I just want to Bink that little boy. <laughs> Let me have him for one day and I'm gonna change him. We get disgusted by such things. So, what makes you think that God will be like this? God is a good God, a loving God, and because He loves us, He disciplines us. He does. He does. So, well, how do we know? that the discipline of God is good for our souls. And this is what the author of Hebrews, that so we've understood, I wanted you to understand a biblical understanding of the discipline of God. It's important that you get this. Now now we're gonna it into the church and the church that was struggling tremendously discouragement and persecution. Some have walked away from the faith. Some were tremendously discouraged. And here is the author of Hebrews writing them and saying to them, look, look at the discipline of God. All of these tough things that are happening to you, God is involved, God is here. Don't turn your backs to God, turn your face to him because god is intimately working in your lives this is the point here they 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 are stressed they are persecuted some of them their families perhaps left them some of them were were fired from their jobs because of their faith and then they were also experiencing difficulties like illness and suffering and death and they were saying what's the point of christianity and perhaps you're asking the same question: What's the point of serving God when I am suffering more than the lost person out there, when I am suffering more than the terrorists out there, when I'm suffering more than the, the, the murderers out there? I'm trying to live holy, but yet I'm suffering even more. Here's the reason, here's the reason, here is the reason. Come in closer embrace this, embrace this, embrace this, because God is intimately involved in your life. God wants to reveal himself to you. And one of the tools that he uses, one of the tools that he uses is this, pain and suffering. So friends this morning as we observe this text coming closer and don't don't miss this this morning I want us to see two elements of God's discipline in this passage of scripture one is the dangers in discipline we see this in verses 4 through 6 to the purposes of discipline we see this in verses 7 through 11 So let's let's look at verse the first point the first point the dangers in discipline author of Hebrews here if you notice very carefully in verse 5 he quotes Proverbs chapter 3 verses 11 through 12 And, and what is that what is what is that text it's all about discipline he says and have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons my son do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. So he tells us here, there are two things that we must avoid, two pitfalls, come in closer, don't miss this, two pitfalls that we must avoid, and two truths that we must embrace. So avoid two, embrace two so what are the two pitfalls that we must avoid when understanding god's discipline one is that he warns us to not disregard the discipline of god do not disregard the disciplines of god see for yourself what he does here my sons do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. So how do you do this? Well, he tells us by giving us two examples in the lives of the church folks here. But what what are they, Kevin? Look in your own Bibles, look for yourself, right? The Bible is going to inform that. The Bible is gonna tell us, see for yourself in verse four. In verse four, he mentions in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now stop. Whoa. It seems as if the author of Hebrews is just saying to them a sense of encouragement. In your struggle with sin, you have not yet. But what he's doing is that there is a warning here. He's doing something here to tell them that they're doing something wrong. And this is what they were doing wrong. Come in close and don't miss this. As they were struggling in a sin, they were beginning to complain and saying to God and saying to one another, look at my problems. Look look at my difficulties. Where is God? God is not helping me. And here the apostle is saying, or the author of Hebrews is saying to them, "Hey, hey, look, you are complaining right now, but you're still alive. There are people who have it worse than you. So buckle up. Stop acting like this. And this is the first thing that we see that happens when we disregard the discipline of God. We begin to complain. Don't miss this. We complain because we don't understand what's happening around us. We complain and we tell God, why me and not my neighbor? Why me and not my brother-in-law, sister-in-law? Why me and not my mother-in-law, father-in-law, right? They deserve it. They're not nice to me, give it to them. I'm not talking about my in-laws, they're nice people. <laughs> I'm just giving an example. <laughs> Luke, do not tell your mother I said that. <laughs> but this is the example, right? That we, we could easily point out other people and say, God, do something to them and not me. We begin to complain and when we complain and complain and complain, it's an indication that we are disregarding the discipline of God. We do not understand what God is doing. A lot of complaints. Our perspective must be changed. And we act like spoiled little children. Woe is me. Why me and not someone else? Instead of saying to God, God, do not take this from me, but take me through this. Whatever you're designed to teach me, God, teach me. This is why James says to pray for wisdom when you're going through difficulties and God will give it to you. It's a guarantee to pray. When you're going through this difficult time, instead of complaining, pray that God will give you wisdom. Wisdom to endure. What's the second thing here? The second thing here that he mentions, is not just complaining But there is also the sense of forgetting. How do we disregard discipline? We do not recall. We do, we we forget. See for yourself what he mentions here. See for yourself what he mentions here. In verse five, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. You are forgetting that you are children of God, that you are acting like the world. That when the discipline of God comes upon you, you think it's the wrath of God. You should know better. And friends, I do not want you to miss this because this is a problem we have today in many churches. Biblical illiteracy. People do not know the word of God. They're not reading the word of God. They're not studying the word of God. So the moment they have difficulties in their lives, they're not turning to the word of God. And this is what the author here is is pointing that you fail to recall the word of God. And by recalling the word of God, you are reassured of the promises of God. So instead of saying, well, God, you are punishing me. Your wrath is upon me. A Christian should say, oh, God, this is what the word says about me and you. That I am your son and you are my father. And whatever you're doing is not meant to hurt me. It's meant to prune me. How can we do that? It's by knowing the word of God. By understanding the word of God. Right? It creates a sense of callousness in our hearts if we do not know God's word. We complain, we find ourselves callous, and this is how we disregard the discipline of God. Come in closer, come in closer, and write this down. We cannot be profoundly influenced or encouraged by that which we do not know. How can you be encouraged by the word of God if you don't know it? David mentions this in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have stored your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Friends, coming closer and get this. The word of God will not benefit us if we do not know it. Do you get it? We are meant to apply the word of God. You remember our great Savior in his temptation? In the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter four, as Jesus was being tempted by Satan, what did Jesus use? Audience participation, the word of God, the word of God. And every time Satan will use the word of God, uh, uh, misinterpret it, here's Jesus saying, this is what the word of God is. We too, as Christians, we must recite and know the word of God. Immerse yourself in the word of God. And by doing that, in a time of difficulties, in a time when God is disciplining us, we can recall and reassure ourselves that we are sons of God. We're sons of God. He gives us two examples here, right? Two pitfalls to avoid, but he also gives us two truths to embrace. And what are they? I'm glad you're asking. There are are amazing truths here. One, it tells us that discipline reveals God's love to us. Discipline, God's discipline, God's divine discipline reveals that he loves you. This is a tough concept even for our children to get, right? So, so when they're asking for certain things, when they're doing certain things and we discipline them and we tell them, son, daughter, I love you. And they look at you and they say, no, you don't. Well, how do you know I don't love you? Because you're disciplining me. Well, that's the reason why I love you. And let me tell you why it shows I love you. Because if I didn't love you, it would be so much easier for me to not discipline you For me to tell you, do whatever you want to do, and I'll do what I want to do. But the fact that I'm disciplining you means that I'm taking time out of my schedule to address a situation, and I have to hold you accountable, and I have to pray for you. That's a lot of work. But nevertheless, I love you. And because I love you, I'm warning you to avoid certain things. This is great love, and the same thing we notice about our great God discipline reveals his love for us his love for us Ephesians chapter 3 verse 17 says so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith that you being rooted and grounded in love oh friends write this down if you can god continually loves whether we are aware of it or not Here's the truth. When we are aware of it, it's even better. Our practical life is changed forever when we are aware of God's love for us. So instead of looking at our troubles, we look to the Father's love and we thank Him for whatever discipline he brings our way. And we say to ourselves, God, you will see me through. I love what Kent Hughes mentions here. He says discipline is the divinely ordained path to a deepening relationship with God and a growing love with him. So two truths to embrace, right? Two pitfalls to avoid. What are the pitfalls that we are called to avoid? Disregard of God's discipline, right? We're called not to be callous towards God's discipline. And two truths to embrace, we're, we're called to embrace it. God's love is shown in his discipline. But also, we are called to see that the fact that God is disciplined in us is because we are children of God, we are sons of God. This is exactly what the text tells us here. Do you see it yourself? For the lord disciplines the ones he loves he corrects every son whom he receives that's great love god's discipline in your life points to the fact that you are children of god sons and daughters of god if there is no discipline in your life you should be concerned (laughs) How do you know that you're a Christian? One of the ways that you know you're a Christian is because God is chasing you. God is coming after you. God is pursuing you. God is disciplining you. This is one of the ways that we know that he will not let me do whatever I want. No, there is great conviction that happens in my life when I do something wrong. The Spirit of God convicts me. So we see here of those two truths to embrace. Now let's look at the second point. Because the sonship here, he explains it even more in verses seven through 11. So point number two is we see the purposes of discipline. The purposes of discipline. We see this in verses seven through 11. What's purpose number one according to the author of Hebrews? First, it's discipleship. God disciplines for the purpose of discipleship. The great disciple, master, and maker is God himself. And he's discipling us through difficulties and through discipline. Notice verse 7. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom the father does not discipline? This is a rhetorical question. In other words, a good father disciplines his son. A bad father does not. If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Come in closer because this is very profound. In that very culture, an illegitimate child was a child who was born by a concubine or slave. That child had no inheritance at all, no discipline, no education at all. As a matter of fact, one of the ways you could tell if the father really had a relationship with his children was by the way he disciplined them. So here he's telling us that we're not illegitimate children But we are sons of God. And because of his love for us, he disciplines us. Do you notice in the text as well that he makes a distinction between those who are children of God and those who are not? And that's what the Bible tells us. We're not all children of God. We're all his creation. But children of God are those who've entered into a personal relationship with him. Where are you getting this from, Kevin? Well, scripture, Notice for yourself. John chapter one, verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Sorry, I was told about a man who walked up to two boys fighting. And I had a few people watching. This man ran quickly so the two boys fighting grabbed one of them and discipline him. The crowd were indignant. They were upset. They were like, oh, they were thinking, well, th- these are both of his sons. And both of them needed to be disciplined. So they went up to the man and said, why did you just discipline one and not the other? Both of them are wrong. And he said, I only disciplined the one that's my son. <laughs> this is my son. He did what was wrong. And I discipline him. This is his friend. He's not my child. This is my son. And friends, in the same way, I believe God does the same thing. That when we notice the lost world and we see lost people and they're not being disciplined necessarily, and you notice they're going through the same thing as you and you're like, why me and not them? You're his. You're his. His great affection. His children, He will do whatever means possible to bring you on the right path. You are His. When my children are with me, and even in the church with a large group of people, my eyes are fixated on them. They're mine. When they're running in the church, I tell them not to. They're mine. I can discipline them in that way. And they have my affection. Not because I hate them, but because I love them deeply. How much more does God love us in such a great way. So we see great discipleship but but keep reading with me. Keep reading with me. See for yourself in verse 8, if you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us and we respect them. Maybe not now, but when you get older, you thank your dad for spanking you. Now you say, Dad, you hate me. You'll get over it. Right? You'll get over it. But here he says this. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? He's making a comparison here. And also a contrast. If we respect our earthly fathers for disciplining us, how much more should we respect our heavenly father for disciplining us? Do you get this? Why complain? Why? Why be callous towards his, his discipline when you should know that he cares deeply? You are thankful for your mother and your father Who disciplined you and you are a man today because of your parents and what they did what they taught you how much more should we be thankful for God this changes everything so coming closer coming closer when you end up losing your job and didn't get this promotion and guess what guess what guess what instead of complaining what we do is we go to God and we ask God God what are you doing in my life what are you doing in my life God what are you trying to teach me, God? Whatever's meant for evil, you will turn it for your good. I'm your son. When you have difficulties in your life, in your marriage, with your children, everywhere you turn, you're seeing difficulties, turn to him and say, God, what are you teaching me, oh God? Is there sin in my life? Are you preventing me from getting into sin? Are you trying to educate me right now, O oh Lord? Practically, this is what we're called to do. So the purposes of discipline is one, discipleship. Two, we notice holiness, right? Holiness, see for yourself in verses 9 through 10. Verses 9 through 10. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who discipline us. And we respect them shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live for they discipline for they discipline see for yourself us for a short time as it seemed best to them but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness earthly fathers are imperfect our god is perfect every time he disciplines, it's for something good and sometimes we as parents we discipline when we should not and when we should discipline we don't discipline you know a couple of days ago my son liam called me out on this because liam was in the vehicle with us and he said something to me and I was like no fortnight tonight it's gone I took it away from him the next day Ezra was doing something talking back and I said Ezra I'm going to discipline you he came and he said dad I'm sorry and I was like whatever discipline I had that's okay you don't have to go to your room for the rest of the night not thinking Liam is seeing this Came to me and said, Dad, that's not fair. (laughs) How can you do this? Like, you punished me a couple of nights ago for what I did, and here's Ezra who was talking back, and you didn't do a thing. And I was like, Son, it's grace, son. It's grace. (laughs) No, you're right, buddy. You're absolutely right. Your daddy is imperfect. We are imperfect as parents. But I could promise you that our God is a perfect God. Every time he disciplines, is for a reason. And this is exactly what the text is saying here. But notice this as well. Holiness. He disciplines us to shape our character. To look like him. Don't you love this? The purpose of discipline is holiness. So whatever sin we're struggling with, God is teaching us how to kill it, how to turn away from it. Whatever path that we are on that's wrong, God brings discipline to change our path. And the purpose here is holiness. Wow, but not only that, finally, righteousness and peace, righteousness and peace. I love what A.W. Toza mentioned, he stated, It is doubtful if God can bless a man greatly without hurting him deeply. (laughs) He's absolutely right. God blesses us greatly by hurting us deeply. But he will hurt us but not harm us. That's the beauty here. Righteousness and peace. If you notice in verse 11, and we'll close with this, chapter 12 verse 11 he mentions this for the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant we know this it's painful rather than pleasant we feel that way but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it this is what we get here the discipline helps us to appropriate the righteousness of Jesus in our hearts. That we are walking holy and righteously because that God brings this discipline in our lives. This is different than what we've heard from the world. This is different from what we are hearing from prosperity gospel people. This is different from what we're hearing from churches because all they're saying to you is, God wants the best for you, which he does god will prosper you by giving you this and that and that and that and that but he wants to prosper you and one of the ways come in closer one of the ways that he prospers us is through pain pain so friends do not turn from god but turn to him this is a very profound passage of scripture for us How do we do this? We must understand the dangers in discipline. What are the dangers? There are two pitfalls. Do not disregard the discipline of the Lord. Right? Do not grow weary. And this word weary is the athletic term used to describe someone who is so exhausted to the point that he is collapsing. So he says, do not become callous. Do not allow the word of God or the discipline of God to to discourage you. Let me give you a perfect example of this. You have children and different children in your life. And when you discipline, some of them can disregard your discipline. And some of them can be callous to your discipline. However, there are some that can be discouraged by your discipline. So you, you discipline them. And the moment you discipline them, you're trying to tell them something. And you can tell their heads are down. And they think, oh, daddy hates me. Daddy is so displeased with me. Woe is me. And sometimes you have to lift the heads up and say, no, listen, I love you. And I'm saying this to you because I love you. I'm not displeased with you. I love you. So we notice the same thing here. Those pitfalls that we must avoid. But there are two truths that we must embrace. God disciplines us because he loves us. And God disciplines us because we are children of God. And there are purposes for the disciplines as well. One, we notice discipleship. God is doing this to mold us and shape us to look more and more like him so that we would be holy, which is the second thing. And third, that we would be righteous. Do you see it? There is a purpose in God's discipline. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your word. And I thank you so much for this, God. I could be the one that is callous to your discipline, and uh, take it lightly sometimes, Uh, but there might be some that struggle with the callousness of it. Uh, There's some that struggle with a sense of discouragement whenever they go through discipline and say, God is so displeased with me, and God hates me, and um, whatever we are struggling with, oh Lord, I just pray that we can see the discipline is a good thing. It reveals that we are children, and God loves us so speak to our hearts O oh lord allow us to act upon your word in your mighty and precious name amen